Thanks for listening to today's message. We hope that it will encourage you and help you live out your faith in everyday life. Make sure to download our church app by typing Comox Pentecostal into Google Play or the App Store to enjoy more podcasts, Bible resources, giving options, and more. Good morning, church. Really nice to see a close to a packed house this good Friday morning. I'm not going to lie, I was a little bit nervous about this service. I've been in ministry a fair, fair bit um, for, you know, for quite a few years, and I've never had the privilege of speaking on a Good Friday. Uh, good Friday to me was, uh, as a kid, it, always, uh, it was always a special uh, service for me. It always brought, I always felt it brought me closer to Jesus, Good Friday services. I don't know if, that, if you would agree with that statement. Um, this last week, and going over this story over and over and over, was quite overwhelming. Overwhelming in a good way. Overwhelming in a way, it just left me speechless many times, knowing what Jesus has done for me, what Jesus has done for all of you in this church, what, what he has done for everybody in this world. Today we're going to be uh, focusing on the cross. The cross. If we walked into a jewelry shop, you would find diamonds. You'd find gold. You'd find rings. You'd find necklaces. You would find anklets. You'd also find crosses. You'd find crosses in earrings and necklaces. But there's a good chance that those merchandisers who are selling those crosses wouldn't understand the meaning behind the cross. Ironically enough, neither would its customers. And sadly, these crosses have become a neat metaphor. And there's a very strong comment that I heard that if you want to wear a cross on one ear, you might as well wear an electric chair on the other ear. It's a pretty direct statement, isn't it? And why is this the case? Because the cross was a death sentence. It was a political symbol far before the religious symbol, before a religious symbol. And at the time, Pilate knew, the crowd knew, the chief priests knew, and Jesus knew what the cross would mean and what happened on the cross. It was the ultimate symbol of Roman power. Romans had crucified rebel Jews when Jesus was a boy, thousands of them. They crucified thousands more when they took Jerusalem in 70 AD. And polite Romans won't even mention the word crucifixion or the cross because it's gruesome, it's grotesque, it's gross, it's brutal. Theologian N.T. Wright states that crosses were the reality on which their empire constructed. The empire which boasted of bringing justice and peace to the whole world. Here, if you've read this story, you've read what Jesus went through. You would think justice and peace, there wasn't a fair trial. 
Pilate's main objective here was to prevent riots and to assert his authority over the chief priests who were always trying to undermine Pilate. Had you stood in a crowd that day watching Jesus die, you would have heard him say seven astounding statements. Remarkable words, these seven last words of Christ from the cross. I hope you brought your Bible today with you to follow along with me. These seven last words of Christ from the cross provide a window into Jesus' soul and what was important to Jesus at the time of his death. The first, let's turn to Matt, Luke chapter 23, verse 32 to 39. And the first time he speaks from the cross, Jesus is speaking to his father. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Let's read Luke chapter 23. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes and started casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said he saved others. Let him save himself. If, if he is God, the God's Messiah, the chosen one, the soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. Here Jesus is preparing to inaugurate his kingdom through his death. On both places beside him are two dying men. Both are criminals. Here, Jesus asked God to forgive them who are putting him to death. The religious leaders, the politicians, the soldiers, and the bystanders. And what does God do? God answers the prayer by opening up possible salvation, even to Jesus' murderers. Even though Jesus was suffering one of the most painful deaths, he looked at those responsible with what? with love and forgiveness. We hear Jesus' heart through this. Forgiveness. Forgiveness is easy, am I right? Man, I think of forgiveness. And, and forgiveness is so hard, isn't it? I find it difficult. I find forgiveness difficult. At times, it has to be a daily choice. I choose to forgive. What does Jesus do here? It's mind-boggling. It's revolutionary. If Jesus can forgive those who are presently killing him at the moment, how come we can't forgive? Even the Roman officers and soldiers that witnessed this, the cru crucifixion said, this man was truly the son of God. Jesus was special. 
And sadly, because we are all born sinners, we all played a part in putting Jesus to death. The great news for all of us is that we serve a gracious God, don't we? Who loves us and cares for us and was willing to do that on the cross for us. And also this quote alone shows us that he will forgive us and give us new life through his son if we have faith in Jesus. Do I hear amen? Amen. Luke, let's turn to Luke chapter 23. So Jesus forgave. Second, Jesus is speaking to the criminal on the cross. I love this verse. If you think about a beautiful verse, this one is truly one. Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. One of the most beautiful verses in my opinion. Luke 23, 40 to 43, but the other criminal rebuked him. Don't don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence. We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. As this criminal is about to die, he turns to Jesus and asks him to forgive him. And what does Christ do? He forgives and accepts him. What does this show us? That it's, it's not our deeds that save us. It's our faith in him that saves us. It's not because we help people with gardening or help people move or, or help people with different things that makes us good people. It's through faith in Jesus that saves us. Because of the criminal's faith that day, he was now able to spend eternity with Jesus. I don't know about you, but doesn't paradise sound really good right about now? You know, we're coming out of this pandemic, hopefully, right? We're coming out of this pandemic. Paradise sounds really good. You know, like we live in, we live in you know, Comox, Comox Valley. It's pretty beautiful here, am I right? It's pretty, you know, and some people, like, you know, we, we would consider this paradise, you know, um, as, uh, as I was able to, like, drive, drive home or drive here uh, from home today. I live close to um, Church Street Bakery. And so I, instead of, t- uh, instead of turning left right away, I just looked at the ocean. And I was like, thank you, God, for the place that we live. We live in a beautiful place. Let's imagine what paradise looks like. Let's think about, you know, sometimes even did staff, Mike, uh, Pastor Mike likes to ask, hey, where, where, where would you guys want to travel? Like, he loves traveling. Where would you guys like to travel? Well, let's think about this, okay? Where would you, where, where would a place uh, you would like to go? Where's a place that you would like to go? We think about Hawaii, we think about Mexico, we think about, um, you know, I like, I like, I'm a San Diego guy, I like going to San Diego. I like the sun, Right? But this paradise is so much better. Your dream vacation only lasts a week or two, but eternity is forever. We spend so much time putting work and and hours into planning a short-term trip, which isn't a bad thing. 
but many of us don't plan on eternity. How about we start thinking about eternity? How would that look? How would our relationships and our friendships look? How would impacting our neighbors, our our workplace, if we start thinking about eternity? If you start thinking, wouldn't I I like to be with that person and, and spend time with them for eternity? I have a question for you. And, and we've got many people here in the church, and I, I just want to welcome those that are here for the first time, those that are online with us for the first time. I don't know where everybody sits here, what our story is, but how is your faith in Jesus today? A little bit of a self-reflection, and I want you to be honest. Is it strong? Is it mediocre? Is it non-existent? For the criminal, faith in Jesus was the only answer. It was the hope. He had great hope. Even in Jesus' ministry, how, what did he show to this man? He had compassion and he had mercy for this criminal beside him who deserved to be where he was. Well, Jesus didn't deserve it. He had compassion and mercy. Before the criminal's death, Jesus gave him new life. The dying criminal had more faith in Jesus than most of his followers put together. Even though the disciples still loved Jesus, their hopes for the kingdom were shattered. Most of them have got, had gone into hiding. But here is the criminal next to Jesus. Remember me when you are in your kingdom. This criminal showed an amazing faith during a very challenging moment as well as he was preparing to die. And how does Jesus respond? Today you will be with me in paradise. So what do we learn about Jesus? That he is compassionate, he is loving, and he forgives. And it's not too late today to turn your life around. I don't know how many of you have ever felt like the criminal on the cross. Here's a sinful man like you and I giving our life over to the sinless one, Jesus. Jesus forgave. He gives us the gift of salvation. And third, Jesus speaks to his mother and John. This is quite an interesting Uh, interesting um, scripture as well. Woman, here is your son, and here is your mother. John 19, 26 to 27. Let's paint a picture. They nailed Jesus on the cross alongside two criminals. They posted a sign above him saying, King of the Jews, soldiers are gambling for his clothes, and standing nearby are uh, Jesus' mother, Jesus' mother's sister, and Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. That's a lot of Marys. In verse 26, when Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, the disciple took her into his home. 
Why is this significant? What does this say about Jesus? This shows us to value and care for our family. Here Jesus, ready to die, is showing care for his mother. Some of you, yeah, as the oldest son, Jesus entrusted his mother to a person who stayed with him at the cross. He valued and cared for his family in all circumstances. And I know some of you are estranged from family. Some for legit and difficult reasons. But some may be over mere disagreements. I've heard of some very interesting ones, not from people in the church for sure. But things that could easily be solved, but families are broken, broken up over them. Maybe today could be a day of reconciliation with family. Maybe a, this is a day, maybe there's a difficulty even in a church family. We wouldn't have disagreements in our church, would we? Not at all, right? Maybe there's something that's holding you back from, from having a better relationship with somebody that, that goes to the church, that's part of God's family, or somebody in your uh, in your immediate family. Maybe today could be a day of reconciliation. Forgiveness, salvation, and family were all on his mind. Four, Jesus cries out to the Father. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Mark 15, 34. Here Jesus doesn't ask God this question in surprise or despair. He is actually quoting a line from Psalm 22. Psalm 22 is a prophecy that expresses the deep agony of the Messiah's death for the world's sin. I remember I was in Bible college. I was taking gospels. So we were going through, we were going through, uh, yeah, the, the Gospels, right? And we had uh, one of the top theologians teach us, uh, Roger Stronstad. And um, it was such a great, like such a great course. And I remember as uh, our final exam came and uh, a friend of mine, maybe more of an acquaintance, weren't super close. As, as I flipped over the paper, I'd studied hard for that, that test because you had to know, you had to know all your stuff really well. As, as, I flipped, as we flipped over um, our test to see what questions were on it, all I heard was this loud thunk on his desk. It was his head, and he said, my God, why have you forsaken me? <laughs> well, God didn't forsake my friend that day. It was his lack of studying. It even got a chuckle out of our professor, which I was shocked. All of a sudden, a few minutes later, I'm riding away, and here he is. He goes and takes his test to the front, drops it off, and leaves. He didn't do too well that day. <laughs> Students, it's good to study, okay? Good to study, all right? It was quite a humorous moment. 
Psalm 22 is a prophecy that expresses a deep agony of the Messiah's death for world sin. He was having a deep expression of anguish that he felt when he took on the sins of the world, which caused him to be separated from the Father. This was exactly what Jesus had dreaded as he prayed to God in the garden to take the cup. Matthew 26, 39 He suffered this death so that we would never have to experience external separation from God. And I'm so thankful. What does this this say about Jesus? He was willing to suffer for us. He was thinking about you and I. He was thinking about our neighbors. He was thinking about our schoolmates. Our workmates. While he was on the cross. And what else? He always wanted to be in direct contact with his Father in heaven. Aren't you happy that you have direct contact with with Jesus? Anytime that life can go, whatever turns our way, we have Jesus with us. Forgiveness, salvation to all, family, desire to be close to his father were on his mind. And here, the next one, number five, he says a very human statement. I am thirsty. How many parents have ever heard that? I'm thirsty, I'm hungry, right? Well, here's Jesus on the cross. I am thirsty. John 19, 28, 30 says, Later knowing that everything had now been finished and so the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put a sponge on a stalk of hyssop plant, and lifted it up to Jesus' lip. He was hungry. He had spent hours in the sun. He, He was exhausted from the physical pain and dehydration. It speaks out of, Jesus speaks of his own thirst out of a real human need for substance and relief. In his anguish, Jesus remained clear-headed and was aware of the prophecy of Psalm 69.21 that still needed to be fulfilled. For my thirst gave me vinegar to drink. This again demonstrates his physical suffering and therefore he understands our physical pain, our physical hurting. He understands what we are going through. He understands the rejection that we face. He understands the loneliness that we face. He understands the anxiousness that we face, the sadness. And considering that he gave his life for us, at least we can live our lives for him. He walked in our shoes, so shouldn't we walk in his? Today could be that day. I love Matthew 5, 6. It says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Do you have a hunger or thirst for righteousness? I want to I have a better relationship with Jesus. I know that I cannot be righteous. But through Jesus' help, he can help me the best I can. 
Let's have a hunger and thirst for righteousness. Forgiveness, salvation, family, desire to be close to God, and a thirst is what was going on in Jesus' mind. Number six, it is finished. John 19.30, when he would receive the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Until this time of Jesus dying, a complicated system of sacrifices had atoned for our sin. And because sin separates us from God, and not only, and only the sacrifice of an animal, a substitute, could be forgiven and become clean before God. But because people sin continually, right, frequent sacrifices were required. The word But Jesus became the ultimate and final sacrifice for sin. Do I hear another amen? I hear amen here. The word finish is the same as paid in full. He came to finish God's work of salvation to pay the full penalty of our sins. Now we can freely approach God because of what Jesus did for us. Lastly, number seven. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Luke 23, 44 to 46. It was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon, for the sun stopped shining, and this is important, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud vo- voice. And that, this is significant too. Somebody going through such pain and agony wasn't able to speak loud, but Jesus did. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. He who freely gave himself into the hands of the executioners and was now committing himself into the hands of the Father. Darkness had covered the land and all nature seemed to mourn over the tragedy of the death of God's Son. This this significant event symbolized Christ's work on the cross, the temple. The temple had three parts. The courts for all the people the holy place where only priests could enter and the most holy place where only the high priest could enter once a year to atone for the sins of the people. It was in the most holy place that the Ark of Covenant and God's presence with it rested. The curtain that was torn was the one that closed off the most holy place from view. At Christ's death, the barrier between God and humanity was split in two. Now Jesus is our superior high priest. Because of this, we can all approach God directly through Jesus. Jesus was our bridge. Let's put ourselves in God's hands to let him lead you 
and guide you. He wants to be a part of your life. What was important to him? Forgiveness to those who sinned against him. That's all of us. Salvation for all. His family was important. He wanted to be close to his father. That he would be the ultimate and final sacrifice for our sin. That he was the bridge between God and man. I'm going to lead us in a time of remembrance. As we, particip- as we participate in communion. If you have your emblems in front of you, and Pastor Mike just reminded me too to make sure I brought my emblem up. <laughs> Thank you. I know for some of you this might be a little bit strange, these little things, but you take the cellophane off first. And you take that little wafer there. And then you remove the foil to get to the the juice. There we go. You've got some time, all right? Communion is a beautiful picture of what happened at the cross and what it means and how it impacts us as believers. You know, we just went over some great scripture what Jesus did for us on the cross. But what I want you to do is before we go through communion together, I want you just to spend a moment, just maybe a minute each, and just thank God for, for, what, for what he did for us. Thank Jesus for what he did for us. And It'd be just a great time as well just to just to check, just to check your 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 spirit of maybe if there's something that's not not right. And talk to God about that as well. Can we just do that for a minute? Let's just take take a moment, all right? also want to give you opportunity if there's anybody here that would like to invite Jesus into their life if there's anybody here spend eternity with Jesus I just encourage you just to raise your hand and we won't embarrass you that's you this morning How about we stand together? 1 Corinthians 11, 23, 26 says, The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. Everybody show the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in the remembrance of me. Partake of the bread.
And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in the remembrance of me. Partake the cup. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. our pain, you took our shame, you took our punishment, you took our sin away. Hallelujah, Jesus. Would you sing with me? Your cross, my freedom. Your cross, my freedom. Your stripes, my healing. All praise, King Jesus. Glory to God in heaven. Your blood, still speaking, your love, still reaching, all praise, King Jesus, glory to God
There's a God who weeps. There's a God who bleeds. Oh, praise the one who would reach for me. Oh, hallelujah to the Son of Suffering. How many of you are glad for the seven statements Jesus spoke from the cross for your life? I want to pray for you today. Those seven statements and the word and the way of Jesus as demonstrated through the Gospels mean one thing for you, hope. There are challenges you are facing today. There are challenges for some in their body. There are challenges in relationships or an emotional wound. But the words of Christ speak a better word over those circumstances. And Good Friday declares pray for you father we thank you for the reminder we took it into our bodies together through communion today a physical reminder to our body our soul our spirit our relationships that there is a greater word the words of Christ spoken over these circumstances situations and father to bodies in this room that are in need of healing we declare your hope to relationships that are in need of mending we declare your hope to minds and emotions in need of healing. We declare your hope over those two, Father. Thank you. We receive and embrace this in the strong name of Jesus. And everybody said together, amen, amen. Thank you, Pastor Trevor, for encouraging us through the word. Thank you, Aaron, for bringing your poetry to us. Thank you, worship team. And thank you, church family. Let's give praise to God together. Well, go into God's word, world on his mission in the power of his spirit and his love. Greet one another on your way out and have a wonderful weekend. I hope celebrating with family and loved ones. God bless you. We hope to see you Sunday 9 or 11 a.m. in person. We get to introduce our new youth pastors to you and churros and coffee between services as well. It's going to be a great Easter celebration. See you on Sunday. Thanks again for listening to today's message. We hope that it encouraged you as you live out your faith in everyday life. Make sure to download our church app by typing Comox Pentecostal into Google Play or the App Store to enjoy more podcasts, Bible resources, giving options, and more.